0: Royal Stanley of Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, offering securities through United Planner Financial Services. Member FINRA, SIPC, shares his planning approach to help people toward a place where they may be at peace regarding their financial goals. In this dynamic podcast, Royal will share his insights on how to design a retirement plan to help you plan for your future. Now, on to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to Life by Design with Royal Stanley from Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors. Today we're going to be talking about life insurance and we are taking a deep dive into life insurance. Good morning, Royal. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Eric? Oh, I'm doing great. You sound fantastic this morning. Are you uh,
2: feeling really good and ready for uh, summertime
1: well, and all that good stuff?
2: Well, we're, we're moving into springtime and just seeing the sun after... Uh, What feels like a long winter is just really nice. Gives you that extra uh, zip in your step. Seriously, absolutely.
1: I'm starting to thaw, which is a nice, nice thing, (laughs) right? All right, so we're talking about life insurance and you have told me we're taking a deep dive into life insurance. What does a deep dive look like? What are we covering?
2: Well, I think it's it's beneficial to people just to have a a good understanding of life insurance. It really is for most people an essential part of their financial plan. Mm but there's so many different types and different ways of looking at life insurance i think it helps to give consumers a good sense of what the different moving parts of life insurance are what the benefits are maybe what some of the drawbacks are and kind of get into those different types so you when you're going out talking to people and looking at your own situation you can find the 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 plan of insurance that works best for you. Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. It's just a frank conversation, it sounds like.
2: That's right. That's right. All right. Where do we start today? So basically let's just kind of jump in with what life insurance is. Okay. So life insurance is a contract between an individual and a life insurance comp- company. And fundamentally what it is is it's kind of the easiest form of insurance to know when a claim's going to be paid out.
1: Yeah, it's pretty
2: pretty self-explanatory in a lot of ways. I die, somebody gets money. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Now, there's a couple caveats on there. For instance, um, uh, suicide, there's suicide provisions in most life insurance uh, that if someone were to commit suicide within the first two years, the life insurance wouldn't pay. But after that, in a lot of cases, that goes away. Mm. But basically, it's a contract that says, If I die while this contract is in force, the life insurance company will pay me the death benefit. Mm -hmm. And that death benefit is determined at the purchase of the contract in most cases. So all life insurance has a specified period of time. And the way you can look at that is there's two basic types of life insurance. There's whole life insurance, Mm -hmm. which covers you for your whole life or that's what it's designed to do. And there's term insurance. Term insurance is for a specified period of time.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: You know, usually it's underwritten for 10, 20 or 30 years. They've gotten some to go out 40 years, others that is a term policy to age 65. So a couple different ways of looking at that. The other big thing with life insurance and what makes it so powerful are some of the tax benefits there. So with life insurance, when it's owned on an individual, it is a tax-free death benefit. So when we talk about a million-dollar death benefit in a policy that, let's say, you own on yourself and your your wife or your spouse is the beneficiary of it, that is going to be a tax-free death benefit. So you don't have to take off taxes or pay any taxes on that benefit. Now, that's income taxes. There could be some estate taxes that are due, especially when you have large life insurance contracts. But we'll kind of dive into that as we get into the different parts and pieces of of what life insurance is.
1: All right. Sounds good.
2: So, uh, the other thing I want to just uh, touch on is the different types of life insurance companies. Mm -hmm. So, the biggest thing when you're, when you're looking to get life insurance is you want to look at the company that is offering the, the policies. Mm-hmm. Um, you want to look at those ratings. You want to look at what their claims paying experience has been. How long have they been in the market? That sort of thing. There's two basic types of insurance companies. There's a stock life insurance company, and there is a mutual life insurance company. With a stock life insurance company that company actually has stockholders it could be either privately held or publicly traded and the big difference there is is the profits from the company go back to those shareholders Mm -hmm. with a mutual life insurance company the policy holders are actually also the shareholders of that life insurance company okay okay and so what that means is is in a mutual life insurance company, you will share in the profits, if there are some, of that life insurance company. Are those called dividends? Those are called dividends, and we'll okay. we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit more uh, as well.
1: Gotcha. So reputation is a huge issue, right? I mean, we don't want to go to Billy Bob's life insurance, you know. You die will pay, kind of kind of place with a with a neon sign flashing on a street corner. So we how do you research the, the companies? How do you find a good
2: company that's reputable? That's a great question. So one of the easiest ways is looking at their ratings. And there, there's a number of different ratings companies out there that look at the financial health basically of the life insurance companies. Mm-hmm. And each one has kind of a different uh, way of rating it, but usually you can kind of think of, you know, going to school, and uh, if if you were a good student, maybe seeing some A's or A pluses, mm-hmm. that's really probably what you want to look for there when you're looking at those ratings. Is you want to stay in that A, A plus category. Yeah. Um, depending on the rating systems, they're all a little bit different, but if you're working with a life insurance agent, you can talk with them about how those ratings stack up to the other companies they might look at.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and you've, you've spoken about the two different types or the main two types. I know there's more than just whole and term insurance, but when we're looking at the type of insurance that you need, I guess my question is who actually needs to look at getting life insurance in, in general?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. So there, there's three kind of major categories that we'll we'll look at here. And then kind of a fourth that, that I, I want to talk about and spend some time on because I think there's a lot of misinformation out there. Okay. So the three basic types are those people who have others depending on them, either with financial or emotional support. We have uh, business owners or people who are executives or key persons inside of a business. And then you have people with maybe large estates who need life insurance to pay for uh, some of the taxes that may be due when they pass away so that they can pass on their full estate to their heirs and family.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: Okay. Okay. That last subsection that we'll talk about is people who are looking for alternatives to save money tax-free. And we're going to get into that later on uh, towards the end of the podcast, and we're going to kind of dig into that. There are some great ways of saving money inside of life insurance, but they're really only for specific situations, in my opinion. All right. So we talked about the two basic forms of life insurance, term insurance and whole life insurance. There's also a third category called universal life. And universal life is probably the most flexible of the different types of life insurance whole life is really something that's going to be guaranteed for your entire life or to age 100 it's going to be the most expensive type of life insurance there because what you're doing is you're basically paying premiums each year Uh, in most cases they're going to be level premium so you're going to pay the same premium amount at age 25 that you're going to pay at age 85 so you're paying a whole lot more Early on in the contract at 25, 30, 35, because basically you're you're paying those premiums into the contract to carry the policy throughout your entire life. Mm. Term policies are, are the cheapest form uh, of life insurance because in that case, we're really just looking at a time frame. So mm-hmm. a 10-year term policy is going to be a whole lot cheaper than a whole life insurance policy. But at the end of that 10-year term, In most cases, what we'll see is that that guarantee is no longer there of that guaranteed premium for those 10 years. Mm -hmm. And we'll see those premiums shoot kind of through the roof in uh, year 11 and 12. Uh, Some term policies will just lapse right there. But in most cases, it will just become a life insurance contract without a guaranteed premium. And we'll see those premiums, you know, uh, sometimes double, triple, Mm -hmm. even go up, you know, 10, 20 times depending on the age Uh, Of the policyholder. Wow, that's a lot. Yeah, yeah. So in a whole life uh, policy, in a universal life policy, when you pay in your premiums, you're actually in most cases accumulating what we call cash value. And you can think of cash value as an account that's held within the life insurance. So that money is going to go towards offsetting the death benefit down the road. So as you pay money into a whole life policy, let's say you have a $100,000 whole life policy you're paying into, and after five years, there's $10,000 that you've accumulated inside of that policy. Mm -hmm. Well, the way the insurance company looks at that is they've now reduced their liability from $100,000 down to $90,000 because when they pay out that death benefit to the beneficiaries, The beneficiaries are going to receive a check for $100,000. They're not going to have anything left over in that cash value bucket in most cases.
1: Mm
2: -hmm. Okay? That makes sense. So both with whole life and universal life, there's this accumulation of cash value inside of the policy. Now, the nice thing with that cash value is life insurance is a tax deferred account, meaning that... You're not paying taxes on the interest that that money is earning and getting credited. In a whole life policy, there's usually a stated interest rate, a guaranteed interest rate that that money will earn as it accumulates inside of the contract. Same thing with the universal life policy. There's an interest rate tied in many cases to that cash value. Mm -hmm. Now, there's a subsection of universal life insurance that we'll talk about. And that's variable universal life. Variable really just means that you have a, a number of different investment options, where instead of getting a specified interest rate from the insurance company, you can actually take that cash value and invest it inside of sub accounts that mimic. Uh, you know, you can almost think of them somewhat like mutual funds, okay. where there's an investment inside of them that's tied to you know the the, the markets. Oh, and you get to choose those? Yep. Okay. Yep. And so if they're well managed, you might be able to exceed the interest rate that you'd get on a standard universal life policy. However, if the market doesn't cooperate or it's mismanaged, you might not uh, reach the, the same guaranteed level that a universal life contract would, would give you. So another type of life insurance that you might come across is what's called second to die. And this could be built on either a whole life uh, chassis or a universal life chassis. Basically, what a second to die policy is, is it's a life insurance policy that's based off of two lives. In most cases, this is a husband and, and wife. And the main purpose of a second to die policy is estate planning. Where you don't necessarily need to have a death benefit paid to the surviving spouse, but instead you need a death benefit paid to the estate or the trust to pay all of the uh, taxes or a portion of the taxes that are generated mm-hmm. because of an estate tax uh, liability.
1: Or if you wanted to leave a larger sum to kids or grandkids or
2: or could you create a trust with with that? It, you could create a trust. You could create an endowment. It's really just an estate planning tool mm-hmm. to kind of leave leave that legacy there. You can pay the taxes. You can use it to you know, fund a charity that you care about. There's a couple of different uh, reasons to do that. The biggest one is with the second-to-die policy, because it's based on two lives, it's usually a cheaper option than – trying to buy a policy on each of the spouses. Oh, okay, that makes uh, sense. Individually. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, it, it's it, it's a strategy
1: I assume doesn't fit for everybody, but the, those that it would work for, it sounds like it's pretty,
2: pretty fantastic. Absolutely, absolutely. There are some other types of uh, life insurance that we'll get into. These are called uh, hybrid policies. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are policies that might provide, for instance, long-term care benefits. Mm. That's usually built on a universal life or second-to-die whole life policy. They're out there. They can be great solutions for uh, an individual situation. What we've seen in the long-term care space is with a traditional long-term care policy, those premiums have shot up so much that insurance companies have begun to begun to come out with uh, some additional options for clients to look at that are built on the life insurance uh, uh, chassis that gives people some additional benefits. So if you're looking at that uh, long-term care solution uh, and trying to do that long-term care planning, I would definitely take a look at those hybrid policies that are out there because they can provide some pretty fantastic benefits Mm -hmm. in a slightly different way than a traditional long-term care policy might.
1: It sounds like it could get pretty complicated, especially when you said that you could do some long-term care stuff within the insurance policy but it could also be second to die Mm -hmm. not exactly sure how that would work i mean that's you obviously don't have to wait till the second person dies to collect something because if it's taking care of long-term
2: care is that is that called a rider or is that something separate it's just written in the policy uh oftentimes it's it's a it's a rider that can be attached to a policy Mm -hmm. so you know if it's something you want to look at, you want to talk to an expert who deals with that sort of thing Definitely to get into the individual situation that you're in. All right. Sounds good. So shifting gears a little bit back to the cash values, one of the benefits of life insurance is that cash value that's accumulated inside of a whole life or a universal life policy, mm-hmm. you do have some options if you'd like to access those values. One, you can always take a withdrawal of what the premiums have been that you've paid into the policy. Mm -hmm. That's actually a tax-free withdrawal that you could take. So let's say over the course of of a period of time, you've paid in $20,000 into a life insurance contract, and it's now worth, let's say, $50,000 of cash value. You can contact the insurance company and pull that $20,000 of premiums out without any tax penalties. You can also... Uh, Tax-free take a loan out of a life insurance policy. It's basically you're loaning the money out of the contract to you That's a tax-free event and if you pass away with a life insurance loan on your life insurance contract all that happens is that loan gets paid back out of the death benefits and uh, That uh, income you took out that loan you took out is ultimately become completely tax-free Mm, The issue becomes with loans is if the policy were to ever lapse, there could be some uh, tax liability there because you took out the loan tax-free, but it was never paid back to the insurance company out of the death benefit. So we always want to be very careful that whenever we take money out of a policy, that we have a plan of how to manage that policy down the road. Mm -hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of people buy whole life or universal life, and the agent says, oh, yeah, you can take it out. But the agent isn't around to really guide them of what the consequences will be if they take too much out of the policy or don't have a plan of paying that money back. Mm -hmm. So that's where that expert advice really pays off in situations like that. Okay, Royal, you
1: have covered a ton of information today so far. And I know there's, within what you've already talked about, there's a lot to, to, I mean, we talked about a deep dive. There's, you can go even deeper. I mean, we could do five or six podcasts on all the information that you have, uh, but boiling it down for today's podcast, how does somebody determine what's the right type of policy for them and and how do they trust, I guess, the person that they're talking to is, is telling them what they need, all the information they need to know to make that educated decision.
2: Absolutely. So the way I approach looking at life insurance for a client is really looking at where they are at in life, what their other assets are. One of the Big things that life insurance can do is it provides protection for loved ones, and that that's really the the vast majority of the life insurance mm-hmm. that that I sell is for is to protect you know your spouse, your kids, uh, your your other family. Yep. So what the first thing I do is a, a needs analysis, and, and there's a couple of um, uh, different ways of conducting a needs analysis. One of the the, the simplest ways I, I've heard, and there's it's a rule of thumb, uh, but I don't think everyone should should use it by any means is, oh, well, you just need 10 times your annual income and that's all the life insurance you need. I, I think that that's a very general rule. And in in a vacuum that might work to get you close to what your need is. But really what, what I try to do is take a look at what your family situation is currently, what, what your savings is. You know, mm-hmm. if, if let's say you've, just inherited $2 million that's sitting in the bank, you probably don't need as much life insurance as you did, you know, two weeks before you inherited that. Mm -hmm. So we look at that family situation. We look at the amount of debt you have. And my personal opinion is just initially, most spouses would like to say, hey, I want to get the house paid off. So, you know, my husband or my wife doesn't have a mortgage payment. Yeah. You know, I want to take care of all the debts. So that's kind of the first thing that we'll look at is getting a sense of how much uh, mortgage debt do they have? How much other kind of maybe revolving debt they might have? And as part of the financial planning process, we're working on a plan to get rid of that consumer debt anyway. And then we'll take a look at the family structure and what that individual feels their obligations are to their loved ones.
1: Mm -hmm.
2: So... Some people are, hey, if something happens to me, I want to make sure that my kids can go to whatever four-year university they want and not owe a dime. Others say, you know, I just want to get them out of the house uh, at 18 and then they're kind of on their own. Mm -hmm. So we'll have that conversation of what's important to you. And then we'll also have, I think, a fairly frank conversation of when it comes to the um, kind of spousal relationship – is if something happened to, let's say, the the breadwinner or the higher income earner in a relationship, Mm -hmm. you know, how would you want to set up that loved one? Uh, How would that loved one want to be set up? So that helps determine how much additional life insurance we need. And that's kind of the the basics of how we'll try to look at uh, an individual's life to say, Okay, do you need $500,000 of life insurance or $1.5 million of life insurance? Go ahead. Sorry. To me, I would think that the rule of thumb would be I want to replace my
1: income, right? If, if, If I die, I want to make sure that my wife has the same amount of income from my life insurance on an annual basis or a monthly basis, however you want to phrase it. That was me, right? Because I am my greatest asset. My house is not my Mm -hmm. best asset. I am. And, and my wife's greatest, greatest asset is is either her or me, depending on my cash flow. whoever's the, you know, like you said, the main breadwinner, wouldn't Mm -hmm. that kind of be the rule of thumb? I mean, to, to set somebody up to make sure that their, their life isn't altered any further than their spouse dying, which is a huge thing. Obviously (laughs) we would hope that, you know, there'd be a mourning period and stuff, but the, the money shouldn't stop flowing in.
2: To a point, I, I think the other way to look at it is: what are your expenses? What do you need to live on? Mm-hmm. Because you know someone can make hundred and fifty thousand dollars, but just live on sixty thousand dollars there.
0: So true, true. Re-
2: yep. Replacing all of that up to that hundred and fifty thousand dollar level may not be needed. Yeah, and it may it, be too expensive, right? Exactly. Got exactly. Okay. So you know, we we want to give people enough life insurance without giving them too much. Yeah, I don't want my I wife mean, hitting the lottery.
1: You know, exactly. having any exactly. reason, you know, for my car to accidentally go off a cliff or something, you know what I
2: mean? <laughs> yeah. You never want your spouse thinking, you know, if something happens to him or her, yeah. I'll be set up, you know, <laughs> exactly. you never want to give somebody yeah. a reason. Won't be so bad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Got it. Okay. I, I was, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense.
2: Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing I hear quite often is, is do you need life insurance? You, you know, your entire life. I'm probably, uh, you know, about fairly firmly in the camp of, most people don't need life insurance for their entire lifetime mm-hmm. because if we're doing the financial planning correctly, they will have accumulated enough in other accounts to where if something were to happen to them, all of their loved ones would be taken care of. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so in my mind, for most people, life insurance is, is a temporary insurance. And oftentimes what we'll see is, is kind of a shift from life insurance into that long-term care space we, we, we touched on earlier. Got it. All right. What else do we need to cover today? Well, I think the biggest thing I want people to walk away with here is, you know, you look at how life insurance is sold as an industry and the way commissions get paid on life insurance. Mm -hmm. Life insurance can be a fairly lucrative uh, career to get into. The commissions there probably aren't very well understood by the, the general population. What I will say is, it's not a panacea. It's not a, a cure all. I've seen life insurance uh, that's been sold as, "Hey, get a life insurance contract. It, you can fund all your retirement. It, it will protect you. That a uh, mm-hmm. uh, universal life or whole life policy is all you need for the future." And I just don't believe that. Yeah. Um, I think the life insurance industry has a reputation for overpromising and under-delivering in some mm-hmm. cases. Mm-hmm. So you really want to be careful with who you're working with as a professional. Is it just somebody buddy, who got into the industry two, three years ago? Is it somebody you have an ongoing financial relationship with? Or is this just a person who's looking to do a transaction one time and probably not come back and review the policy or do any of that sort of thing? So I think choosing that, that life insurance agent is extremely important. Yeah. The other thing is understand what you're buying if the agent isn't explaining kind of all the bells and whistles inside of that contract, I'd probably look to get a second or a third opinion. Mm -hmm. The other thing is, is be really careful whenever an agent shows you an illustration. I remember when I uh, first got into the business back in uh, 2001, I worked with an agent who, would run illustrations, and what an illustration is, is you'll usually see these on a whole life or a universal life or a variable universal life contract. It's basically an illustration of how the policy will run if all the premiums are paid, and there's two different charts inside of that. There's a guaranteed ledger, which is based off of the guaranteed interest rate the company has agreed to pay, And the highest possible mortality charges that the insurance company is allowed to charge. Then there's the non-guaranteed illustration. I think that's where people get into a lot of trouble. At that time, when I got into the business, this agent would basically turn up the non-guaranteed ledger to show a 12% interest rate Mm. on a variable universal life contract. Basically saying, hey, for the next 40 years, we're going to average – Net of all costs and fees, twelve percent per year, and if you put in fifty dollars a month into this contract, you'll be a millionaire by the time you're sixty five mm-hmm. and it was all just smoke and mirrors, yeah, and it was a real eye opening thing for me just to say, well, wait a second what what about these contracts you sold five years ago are they are they reaching that twelve percent rate of return? Mm-hmm. And, and none of them were, yeah, and so. We want to be really, really careful whenever someone shows you an illustration to understand what you're looking at. Yeah, there's a guaranteed side, and then the non-guaranteed side is, is exactly that. It mm-hmm. it probably won't happen. Yeah, that's the dreamer side. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Got it. So with that, I, I think this is probably a good period uh, to look at wrapping up. Uh, mm-hmm. Did you have any other questions for me?
1: No, it was very clear. I mean, if it, it well, my, I guess my last question would be if somebody. Is listening to this podcast and says, "You know what? I know that I'm not covered. I don't. I don't have enough coverage to take care of my family. I don't have enough coverage to to do the things that I want to be able to do, or secure the things that I want to be able to secure." Or on the flip side of that, if somebody's listening to this and says, "I think my wife has a policy that's way too large on me, and I'd like somebody to <laughs> review it," right?
2: So they need a review, one way or the other. Royal, how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, absolutely. Give me a call at our office, uh, 541-772-1116, or visit our website at opfa.com.
1: All right. Well, thank you, Royal, for your time today. It was great. Absolutely. Good to be here. All right. And thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast with Royal Stanley. If you have not subscribed to the podcast yet, please click the subscribe now button below. This way, when Royal comes out with a new podcast, it'll show up directly on your listening device. This makes it much easier to share these podcasts with your friends and family. Again, thanks for listening today. For everyone at Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, this is Eric Johnson reminding you to live your best day every day, and we'll see you next time.
0: Thank you for listening to the Life by Design podcast. Click the subscribe button below to be notified when new episodes become available. The views expressed are those of the presenter and may not reflect the views of United Planner Financial Services material discussed is meant to provide general information and is not to be construed as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. Individual needs vary and require consideration of your unique objectives and financial situation. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning. Advisory services offered through Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc., Securities offered through United Planner Financial Services of America, member FINRA and SIPC. Oregon Pacific Financial Advisors, Inc. and United Planners Financial Services are independent companies.